Just like a muscle, here we will grow stronger for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. So please, brothers and sisters, join me here at Jacked for Jesus. Welcome back everybody to Jacked for Jesus. My name is Andrew Kufal and today I'm excited to get into the fourth day of the series, um, Attributes and Proofs for God. Um, I kind of um, banged out the last three episodes pretty quick, so I wanted to um, take a rest for a second and um, collect my thoughts on this episode. Um, and this episode is very interesting. Today we're going to be talking about um, the law of probability, specifically in the context of prophecy, biblical prophecy, um, to show God's existence, or at least God's authenticity and His power when it comes to prophecy with people in the uh, in the Bible. And I have some really cool facts, I have some really cool demonstrations to help um, cover that today. And for the attribute of God, today I'm going to be talking about the Lord being the one true Lord. And I think this is very important um, because God talks about it all throughout the Bible. Um, that He is the one God, the one true God. I think as Christians, that's a very fundamental belief is that the God we believe in is the only God. Even if He has three persons that make up one God, um, all of them being God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, and God the Father, we call that the Trinity or the Godhead, um, despite them being three persons or three manifestation, manifestations, um, they are all one true God. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, and, uh, yeah, kind of wrap things up. I think today is going to be the last episode of the series. Um, there's a lot more proofs to get into with this. I mean, I think these four um, laws um, or arguments, you could say, outline a pretty strong foundation for why God would exist. Um, when we look at the law of cause and effect, the moral argument, uh, the teleological argument, and the law of probability with prophecy. These things together, and I could also talk about um, like archaeology and history of the Bible, and I do have a video that on I have a video of that on my YouTube channel. I made a video called "Why God Is Real," and it kind of collects all of these laws together plus a little bit more. So if you're curious on more of these proofs for God, then um, feel free to check that out. Um, give me any, any criticism or feedback on that. So with that, I want to just press in and get started here. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much for the resources and for the platform to be able to talk about your goodness, to talk about your grace and your mercy and your amazing power when it comes through how you work through your people, how you made the universe, how you designed all of us, how you designed humans and man in your image, Lord. Um, it's just amazing to meditate and reflect and speak about your glories and, and, and your mysteries, Lord, and these amazing things that come with um, knowing and observing the one true Lord in motion, Lord. And I pray that you would soften the hearts of everybody listening, that you would help show them that you are real. Um, and if they doubt, Lord, I just pray that you would encounter them personally in their lives. You would encounter them in a way um, that makes it so they can't deny your existence, Lord, so that they can may they, they may have the option of following you um, or following the world, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for being so gracious to me as your servant, Lord. Um, you called me and chose me um, to serve you, Lord, to be in your hands. And out of your grace and mercy, Lord, I thank you so much um, that I completely secure in your hands um, so that I can have eternity with you in heaven, Lord. Um, 
I may share in the inheritance of Jesus Christ. I just thank you, Lord. It's beyond amazing. It's amazing beyond what it can comprehend, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to pray to you um, with open hearts because you have made us clean and blameless um, through your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you so much. We thank you so much that we don't have to worry about anything, but instead we can come to you in prayer about everything. We can tell you what we need. We can tell you um, all that you've done for us. We can thank you for it. And we can ask prayer and petition. Um, and with that, Lord, you will bless us with your peace, which exceeds understanding. Um, and you will guard us. You will guard our hearts and minds with that peace, Lord, as we live in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that the Word of God is alive and powerful, um, that it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, um, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, Lord. Um, we thank you that it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires, so we may be laid open, so that we may understand your ways and see your face, so we can avoid sin, so that we can seek what pleases you, Lord, and seek what brings you glory and honor and praise. And thank you, Lord, for blessing us with your love and joy and peace and grace that comes from knowing you and being held in your hands, Lord, um, and by being known by you, Lord. We thank you so much. I pray that um, myself and all the other Christians listening and, and all the workers in the field around the world, that they may, uh, they may love you and love one another in action and in truth, Lord, just like you tell us in First John. I thank you, Lord, for this time. I pray that you would bless this time and allow it to be fruitful, Lord. Um, and Holy Spirit, please go before me and ahead of me in this time. Um, I pray all of this in Jesus Christ's mighty, mighty name. Amen. Okay, with that, I want to jump to Isaiah. I want to read Isaiah 46 here, just to kind of introduce this topic. And I thought it was kind of appropriate to read from Isaiah, because Isaiah is one of the prophets. Um, he's an example of one of the prophets that... Um, we would look at for prophecy regarding Jesus and his ministry or his church. And I found a really good uh, chapter that I kind of want to read from today. So this is Isaiah 46. And this is ESV translation for anybody that's curious or following along. I'm going to just go ahead and read all the way through and then I'll just jump uh, deep dive into the proof for today. The idols of Babylon and the one true God. Bel bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are borne as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnants of the house of Israel. You, or who, have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and will save. To whom will you liken me and make me equal, and compare me that we may be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales. Hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god. Then they fall down and worship. They lift it to their shoulders, they carry it, they set it in its place and it, and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declare in the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Call in a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. I have spoken, 
and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion, for Israel my glory. Um, I also want to read a little bit of uh, Isaiah 45, I think. I'm going to just start at the beginning. If you don't want to listen to this, you can just skip forward a couple minutes. But um, this is really good. So I want to read a little bit from um, Isaiah 45. And I don't know if I'll read all of it, but I'll read part of it. So, Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness. Let the earth open, that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to him who strives with him, who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles. Woe to him who says to a father, What are you begetting? Or to a woman, With what are you in labor? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him, Ask me of things to come. Will you command me concerning my children and the work of my hands? I made the earth and created man in it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their hosts. I have stirred him up in righteousness, and I will make all his ways level. He shall build my city and set my exiles free, not for price or reward, says the Lord of hosts. The Lord, the only Savior, thus says the Lord, the wealth of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush, and the Sabians, men of stature, shall come over to you and be yours. They shall follow you. They shall come over in chains and bow down to you. They will plead with you, saying, Surely God is in you, and there is no other, no God beside him. Truly you are a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. All of them are put to shame and confounded. The makers of idols go in confusion together. But Israel is saved by the Lord with everlasting salvation. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to all eternity. For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens. He is God, who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none other, or there is no other. I do not speak in secret in a land of darkness. I do not say to the offspring of Jacob, Seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, you survivors of the nations. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. 
For I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, for my mouth has gone out in righteousness, a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Well, so I ended up almost reading the whole chapter of 45. <laughs> uh, but these are just two really, really strong and good chapters where we hear the Lord actually speaking through Isaiah and prophecy. And that's why it's kind of in like first person from the Lord's perspective. It says, I, the Lord. I don't know. It kind of goes back and forth. It's kind of mystical like prophecy does. But anyway, that's just a really amazing and dramatic and uh, emotional uh, couple chapters. And I just love it. Um, but on this idea of prophecy, I want to go ahead and jump into this proof for today, which is the law of probability. And basically, this probability is not, this law of probability, this argument for probability is not super high tech. So I don't know how much I'll be able to talk about it. Um, but essentially, we're just using basic statistics. We're using basic statistical probabilities. And what we're saying, the basic idea of it, at least, is that, um, even though we can't easily predict the odds of one specific event or one prophecy being fulfilled, this idea applies of mathematical statistics. When this idea of probability is applied to the prophecies in the Bible, the result is immensely overwhelming. Uh, for context, there were over 1,093 prophecies that are referring to Jesus and his church. And 48 of those prophecies, of which refer specifically to Jesus' resurrection. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. Not his resurrection. His crucifixion. His crucifixion. My bad. This 48 referred to his crucifixion. Um, and to kind of demonstrate how these odds or probabilities work, um, if we have one event with a uh, one, in four, 1 in 4 chance of happening, so it has a 25% chance of happening, and we have another chance... I mean, another event that has a 1 in 5 chance, a 20% chance of happening. Um, the, the probability of both of those events happening um, is 1 in 20. It is a 1 out of 20 chance, so that is a 5% chance. So when we look at these odds, and we look at the odds with Jesus in the Bible, we're not just looking at individual odds. We're looking at the odds of all of these truly happening according to the Word of God. Um, to show the authenticity of these prophecies, to show that these prophecies aren't just made up, but they really are something um, coming from God. And it's very powerful. It's a very large testament to um, the existence of God. Because for these things to be just by chance are immensely unlikely. Um, but to, put, uh, to apply this a little bit more to Jesus, um, looking at his crucifixion, for example, the probability, the probability of Jesus doing eight of the prophecies according to his crucifixion. So we're not looking at all 48, we're just looking at eight. The probability of him achieving those eight, according to the prophecies um, before in the Old Testament, is one out of ten to the 17th power. So that's like one slash ten to the 17th. And that is remarkably small. Um, and that is only eight prophecies, not all 48. And to visualize how small this number is, um, that is like covering Texas, the state of Texas in the United States. It's like covering Texas with silver dollars two feet deep, taking one of those silver dollars and putting an X on it. 
So the whole state of Texas is covered in silver dollars, which people would like, by the way, all, all of that money. Um, this is just a visualization. So it's covered two feet deep, the entire state of Kansas, uh, not Kansas, Texas, in silver dollars. Now, if you took one of those coins and put a red X on it, you threw it back in, and then you shuffled it up, all up randomly. And then you, like, took a plane with a guy in it, and he, like, um, uh, jumped out of the plane with a parachute and landed down. And then the odds of him just bending down, picking up one coin, and it being the red coin, or the, the coin with the red X on it, that is the probability, which is near impossible. Near impossible. Um, and this is also to keep in mind, um, moving outside of that uh, visualization, um, we also have to keep in mind that these prophecies in the Bible were not written by one prophet. These were prophecies written by several different prophets over a thousand years in different locations. And so the odds of all of these happening, as we know historically that they happened, are overwhelmingly microscopic. It is near impossible. Um, and so the sheer math, the sheer, minis uh, the sheer, uh, just how tiny these probabilities are, demonstrate God's existence and His hand in these prophets. If He, if God did not have a hand in this, the possibility for this occurring is remarkably small. And not only that, the the things of these happening and being recorded and sustaining itself over two thousand years is even smaller, even smaller. And we know that the Bible is historically correct. Now, a lot of people debate about Jesus, and I understand that, because he's quite a uh, uh, controversial figure. But even setting aside Jesus, all these all these things that happen in the New Testament, the Old Testament, even Jericho, the Jericho's walls, we found them archaeologically, and they did fall how the Bible said. There was still flour in the pots, like the Bible would say. And so the Bible being historically accurate, um, and being kept over this time with these prophecies in mind is near impossible, if not impossible, without God's intervention. Now, a lot of you may be sitting here thinking, well, that might be a stretch. Like, who's to say it's God? Or maybe it did just happen by chance. Um, but when we look at these things logically, when we, approach this, when we approach this situation logically, even if you don't want to believe in God, um, it is more probable that something was influencing the situation um, than nothing was. Because these probabilities are minuscule. And yet, we have these prophecies that have played out. And a lot of other religious texts, these prophecies that they have in there don't necessarily play out. Maybe a couple do, a couple small ones, but not a thousand prophecies like we see in the Bible. So this is a large testament, this is a large witness um, to the God of the Bible being true and being real. Especially, especially when we tie in these other arguments I talked about in previous episodes. When we look at the law of cause and effect in teleology, where we see that the universe, which is which the universe is consisting of time, space, and matter, being highly fine-tuned and designed by its creator, or the cause of the universe, we find that the existence of the existence of God is highly probable due to the highly improbable nature of the universe in the prophecies. We know that the universe was created. We knew it had a beginning. The Big, ba the Big Bang has been acknowledged for a long time, even among secular scientists. So it's not widely disputed that, this, that the universe began 
and with Einstein's theory of relativity defining the universe as time, space, and matter, and saying that these things are co-relative, meaning that they all started together, time, space, and matter, and physical energy started together, um, it starts to paint this image of the effects of God. We get to see the effects of God. Even if we can't directly measure God, we can observe what He's done in the universe. Um, through His prophets, by the creation of the universe, by whatever else, um, by His His fine-tuning, um, the His designing of the universe. And these things are magnificent and definitely testifies to God being real. Um, so, if you're and if you're curious about those other arguments and you haven't listened to them, just go back. Um, the episodes are not overwhelmingly long. Most of them are like half an hour to 40 minutes. So, um, with that, I kind of want to transition outside the argument. Um, that argument is a lot shorter than a lot of the other arguments because it's just probability and math, um, but still very powerful. Um, now I want to move on to the attribute of God for today, which is Him being the one true Lord, the one true God. We've talked about, with our proofs and just with our little Bible study, we know that God is intelligent, creative, um, loving. We know that He is timeless, spaceless, immaterial, supernatural. We know that He's holy. He's set apart from His creation um, because He is supernatural. He's literally beyond His nature. Um, so He's holy. He's set apart. He's sacred. Uh, he's perfectly good, perfectly loving, perfectly just. Um, that's why he had to send his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sins instead of us paying for our own sins so that we can be with God and be in his presence because he loves us. Um, I, I feel like I'm forgetting one that we talked about. Oh, his immutability, him not changing. So since he's perfect, um, for him to be the standard of morality or for him to have created the standard of morality, um, he must be something immutable. He must be something unchanging. Which makes sense if he's timeless. I don't know how you would t how you would change if you didn't have time to change. That's kind of a big hypothetical question. But either way, because he is our objective standard for morality, um, because of all of these other things, because of him being timeless, spaceless, immaterial, and from what we see in the Bible, um, he is attributed to be immutable or unchanging. That's why we can put our faith in him. That's why he's faithful. Um, and I think that was all of the attributes we've talked about. Oh, and his sovereignty. There's so many. <laughs> and his sovereignty, meaning since we are his creation, um, just like if we made a Lego creation, we could do whatever we want with it because we put it together. Um, or we gathered a bunch of rocks and we put them together. And that's not a great example because we literally didn't make the rocks. Um, but that's what God did. He made the atoms and he put everything together how he wanted it to be. Because of that, because we are his creation, he has absolute authority over us. He has absolute sovereignty over us. That doesn't mean he's like pinching us like we would, like he's playing with an ant and a bull. Um, rather, he's just um, allowing us to do things that um, fits his will, fits his plan. Um, but he can intercede and he can do whatever he, he wishes with us, really, because we're his creation. But he also gave us free will, which is a more biblical concept. Um, but even for secular people, we can understand this idea. We have free will. We can choose what to do. That's why society is so expansive. That's why society has grown so much with technology and others, others, all these other things. It's because we chose to do things differently. We're like, well, this is good, but what about electricity? Maybe this is possible. Um, that allows for free decision and free choice. But that free will is still under the sovereignty of God, um, which is kind of hard to wrap our minds around. But 
with that, <laughs> that was a long summary of the other attributes of God. Um, but to slide into this attribute for today, which is him being the one true Lord, um, or the one true God, I want to read a couple verses here. The first one is from Isaiah 43, verse 11. Again, ESV translation. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Now we're looking at John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And then this is 1 John 5.20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. And so with this with this um, picture of God that we made with, through these proofs, through these attributes, and with these verses, um, it's very clear that the God of the Bible is one true God. Because of His hand in creation, because of His hand in designing, because of how He's chosen to work through His prophets in highly improbable, if not impossible ways. We can see that the God of the Bible is true, and that He is um, at work in his people and that he does have a purpose for us um, and by looking at the proof of God as mentioned earlier we know he's intelligent loving creative timeless spaceless immaterial and sovereign over all creation um, there is no one else like him that can do these things there is no other creator of God that can stitch this world together other than the one creator who existed before anything else did um, he is this timeless, spaceless, immaterial um, cause or deity that existed, that, that created the universe, that intelligently designed the universe. Um, and because of that, um, he, is, he is just the one God. It's, it's just him. <laughs> and by sifting through different religions and by different religious texts, this depiction of the creator or of the cause of the universe aligns amazingly well with the Christian and biblical depiction of God. And this theme of being the one True God, the one true Lord, is throughout the entire Bible, through the whole Bible. Um, and yet, despite God being so powerful, despite Him having all these attributes and Him having complete authority, complete sovereignty, because He is just and merciful um, and gracious, He sent Himself as fully man, fully God, in the person of Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for the punishment of our sins, so that our sins may be punished on himself, on God, instead of us, so that we may we may be with him in eternity, that we may be made clean and righteous and blameless by God who made the world, by God sacrificing himself, so that we can be in the presence of the eternal God um, forever with eternity. Um, and that's just amazing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Right. That's just an amazing thing. That's an amazing act of love. Um, and it's the only way to get to heaven. It's the only way to get to the good place in the afterlife. Whatever the whatever word you, you use for that. Um, Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and life. And only by His grace are we sufficient to be in heaven. Um, only by His grace. So I am running quite short for today. <laughs> I'm glad I read a second chapter in Isaiah. Um, but this is kind of the wrap-up episode, so um, just again, just to say this every time, if you're doubting or challenging these ideas, um, if you're not quite convicted yet, if you don't quite 
get it yet, um, I would challenge you to um, look into the logic of these arguments, to look into the logic of intelligent design, the fine-tuned argument, the law of cause and effect, all these other things. Um, dig into them for yourself. That's all I can say. Um, and please look at it. Please look into these topics with with smarter people, <laughs> smarter people than himself. Um, I can teach these things on a very basic lay level, but there are very intelligent people out there that have very satiating arguments and very satiating logic and evidence for these things. And so if you're on the line or if you just want to hear more about this or if you think that you need to hear more from someone more um, uh, educated than I am, uh, then there, though, these things exist. Um, I'm going to make a video on YouTube talking about is evolution legit um, and why Christians believe in intelligent design against um, evolution and what logic we have for that and why evolution might even kind of not be scientific um, and as sound as people think it is. So with that, I'm going to pray us out and uh, wrap things up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, the one true God, for being here with us today. Thank you for being fruitful and for touching the hearts of everybody listening today, and myself included. Thank you, Lord, for being so gracious to me, for so being so amazing and so wonderful and so uh, just, just, you're so large, Lord. We are so small, yet you are so large, and yet you're so gracious and so loving and so joyful, Lord. And I thank you so much for that, Lord. Thank you for filling me with joy and peace and grace. Thank you for giving me new life so that I just may rejoice and delight in your presence. I may rejoice and delight in the truth that you have given us, Lord. That I may rejoice in the word of God that lets us abide in life, Lord. I just thank you so much. I pray that people listening would encounter you in the same way, that they would see the hope and the love and the joy that you, our one true God, give us, Lord. Um, I just pour my heart out to you, Lord. I thank you so much. Lord, please continue laying me open. Please, Lord, continue to convict me and show me um, how I can teach, how I can show the world and show the people that you're real, um, that you love us so intimately and so personally, Lord. Um, that you're not a quiet God, that you're a God that's always working. You're the, that you're the God of miracles, that you're the God of creation, you're the God of new life and love. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Please forgive me for any doubt I may have, and thank you, Lord, for allowing me to explore these topics, to solidify my faith, to um, testify why you're real to other people um, who may be searching for faith, or searching for truth, or love, or joy, and I pray that you would answer their call, Lord. Um, I just thank you so much, Lord. I uh, thank you for being with me in the episode, and guiding me, and leading me, Lord. I just, I just thank you. I thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to be an unworthy servant, um, just doing my duty, Lord, that you have given me. Um, I pray that you continue to stir up the works in the field, continue to teach us and remind us what you taught us through your Holy Spirit. And continue to fill us with hope for your coming, Lord. Um, whenever it may be, soon or far, Lord, um, we know you are near and that you're ready to come back. Um, we thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for that. I pray all of this in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. Okay, guys. Thank you all for listening. I really, really appreciate it. I hope this episode and this series has been fruitful. Um, 
I'll be back soon for a new series. I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to be talking about yet, but I will be back soon um, for another series here at Jacked for Jesus. Um, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all. Um, and I hope you guys are um, doing well out there. So God bless and I will see you soon.